Welcome to another episode of the Legal Marketing Studio, the bi-weekly podcast examining best-in-class examples of branding, strategy, content, and technology in legal marketing. Each episode is devoted to a successful initiative, an innovative campaign, a promising technology, or an effective proven strategy for developing new business at law firms from the largest international firm to the solo attorney. I'm Michael Meyer, the host of the Legal Marketing Studio. In this episode, I'm speaking with Mark Halpert, a LinkedIn expert and evangelist uh, who is independent and not affiliated with LinkedIn. Mark co-founded Connect to Collaborate in 2010 to help business professionals tell the narrative of why they do what they do. Mark provides training, seminars, webinars, and presentations for law firms, corporations, nonprofits, and individual business professionals. Since 2004, he's walked the walk using LinkedIn as the focal point in all of his businesses. It is central in his branding, marketing, publicity, and communications. It is the ideal way, as he says, to connect, to collaborate. Mark, welcome to the Legal Marketing Studio. Thanks very much, Michael. So I want to start with the 30,000-foot view. What is LinkedIn? Who's on LinkedIn? And what are we going to use it for? Well, LinkedIn is your Rolodex on steroids. It is the way when people move from job to job in the old Rolodex days, the card was ancient almost at the time it was printed. So when people move along, when they do something new, when they have something to share, they're pushing it out through LinkedIn. What is it? Ultimately, it's a giant search engine. It's like Google for business. And Google searches, crawls the entire universe of the internet. LinkedIn really helps you find other people and be found yourself, if you use it properly, to help them find, put you on a short list of people to consider. Hopefully, they'll make a phone call to you. In the conversation, when they've liked you on LinkedIn, they fall in love with you on the phone call. That spurs the business proposition. So it's just a big mating ritual where we all evaluate each other on business. You're evaluating me right now. I evaluate my clients and my consultants that I, that I pull in and my vendors. I want to be sure I'm only associated with the best of the best because I don't have time to have to vet a lot of people for a lot of things. I have this core of people I rely upon. Where did I meet them? How did I evaluate them? I evaluated them, met them through LinkedIn, and I nurture them as we go along in our relationship. Uh, great. So really, there are sort of, from that answer, I get that there are kind of three tools that LinkedIn sort of embodies. The first is just the old-fashioned Rolodex. Who do I know? How did I meet them? How do I contact them? Uh, the second is that search engine. How do I find people and how do people find me? And the last is a content marketing, social media kind of channel. Uh, so could you comment a bit about using it as simply a networking tool, using it as a, uh, an out, a tool for outreach to either existing clients or to develop new clients, and then as that content marketing channel? Okay. It's a lot so, of questions I know. That's okay. And help me, you know, one, one at a time. But uh, let's talk about the Rolodex aspect of it. Yes. You get a lot of requests for people to connect to you. 99% of them, you don't even know. If they've taken the time and the effort and the smarts to give you context, how you can help them, how they can help you, where you've met, if you've met before, by personalizing the LinkedIn request for a connection, then you're more apt to read their profile. But if you get a bald, 
uninteresting boilerplate default request, I'd like to connect with you on LinkedIn. To me, that's the end of the non-relationship. I'm all about getting interested in somebody or meeting somebody and wanting to learn more about them. Hopefully, I can do that on LinkedIn. And hopefully, they're going to give me the information that I need to whet my appetite, to meet them face-to-face, to vet them, to get to know them, and then I will connect to them. LinkedIn is about relationships of the people you want to be seen in the company of bad grammar, but nonetheless, I think you get the point. It is not about building the most connections. The guy that has the most connections at the end does not win. I know somebody has 18,000 connections. He's supposed to. He's a headhunter. In some industries, you should have a lot of connections. As an attorney, as somebody in legal marketing, as any consultant, you should have the best of the best on your Rolodex. So, you have the good guy Rolodex that you work through all the time. This is where LinkedIn is really valuable. So my advice, don't connect to somebody you don't know. Get to know them outside if you can by phone or over coffee or whatever it takes. And you still don't have to connect to everybody who approaches you. This is about surrounding yourself with absolutely stellar, amazing people, your entourage of trusted advisors. Go through your LinkedIn profile, look at the connections you have, If you can't remember who that person is, or that person doesn't add any value, it's time to disconnect from them and cull through. Be very, very critical about who you allow the privilege of connecting with you. And that may sound a little haughty, but nonetheless, this is about being seen in the right context, being seen in the right company. This is about people seeing you. It's also about when you connect to somebody, they can see your connections and you can see their connections. You want to be careful who you're connected to because you don't want anybody poaching from your connection group, your clients or your advisors or your vendors, because that's happens way too often. So you want to be very careful about who you connect to. Yeah, I just saw this article on the Legal Intelligencer earlier today, uh, and they talk about building sort of an authentic personality online. You have who you are in the real world and you want LinkedIn to reflect that. And I think that applies both to who you know and who's in your network, who people see you being connected to, also to who you are and what your personality is. And I wanted to take that as the way to segue to talking about LinkedIn as a search engine. Um, not only are you looking for ways to meet people who are out there and searching for your potential clients, but people are searching you. Uh, could you talk a bit about those two sides of the search equation? Okay, let's take it two steps at a, one step at a time. When you write your LinkedIn profile, you're not writing about who you are. You're not writing about what you used to do or what you do. Who and what are elementary thought? Why you do what you do? And if you hear Simon Sinek start with why in what I'm answering here, and, in that, and I suggest that to everybody to read that fascinating book, you start with a much higher intellectual answer when you answer the question the person's reading about you with, why do you do what you do? You've cut through the garbage. You've gotten to the core of what makes you tick. So why do you do what you do? And anybody who endorses you or anybody who recommends you is adding how you do the why you say what you do. So it reinforces the why. So think about that. LinkedIn, as we said, is a search engine. 
if you're going to be found in the search, there are really four places where you have to use the right search engine optimization keywords. We'll call that SEO, just for short shorthand. And if you don't know what your SEO keywords are, ask the person who wrote your website what meta tags and keywords they've baked into the website and use those words. Get those words in a list. Start looking at those words. Are those words really adequately explaining or helping to find you if a third party wanted to find you on LinkedIn? Because LinkedIn is a search engine, as we said before. So there's four places that you need to work these search engine terms. One is in your headline. That's the line right underneath your name. That is 120 characters, including spaces. That's all the space you get to bake down or boil down your entire experience from how many years it was since law school to today. That is not where you say partner, comma, Smith Law Firm, LLP. That is not where you put that. That's where you put an expression of the value you bring to the table, the why you do what you do with some keywords in there. The next place after the headline where you want to work in a lot of keywords is going to be your summary. That's your elevator pitch. It's a short ride. You've got limited attention spans out there, but you have to use keywords in there. Talk in full sentences. This is not bullet point like resume. This is real like Michael talking to Mark or Mark talking to anybody else. You'll see in my profile, I speak to the audience. You need to speak to the audience. Remember, your audience is not necessarily going to be an attorney not necessarily going to be a corporate person. There may be people who have other needs and want to know more about you, have been referred to you or looking at your profile for reasons. So you don't want to use a lot of acronyms and a lot of legal jargon. You want to make it readable to the common lay person. So we've said headline. We've said summary. Third place is going to be your experience. These are the jobs you've held. Don't tell me in bullet point, like a resume, what you used to do. Tell me what value you've added to the firm or to the caseload or to the clients you've worked for. And the fourth place is your skills. Now, that's not official, but that's really well used these days on the search engine on LinkedIn. So you have to really carefully evaluate the skill set that you're putting out there. For example, in the business world or even in legal world, a lot of people use management as a skill. It's not a skill. Management's a big fat book on your shelf. That's not a skill. Social media content management is a skill because it evaluates. It's more about what you do. So carefully look at the SEO keywords that you have, rewrite them in places that they need to be rewritten or use them in other places a little heavier or lighter, depending upon where you are based upon your career, and put those keywords in those four places. I'll repeat them again. Headline, summary, experience, and skills. And those are the four places where you are more apt to be found in a search because a search engine is weighting the number of mentions for the word the searcher is looking for. Long answer, short question, but nonetheless, this is central to what people do wrong these days. If you've just copy-pasted your resume onto LinkedIn, you've made the fundamental error. Scrap it. Do what I told you before. You'll get a lot more search results. And then the last tool, uh, content marketing. Again, this is an opportunity to tie in your LinkedIn profile with all the other marketing avenues that you have to either link to people you're following, to highlight uh, things that you're reading, to show things that you're doing. Uh, Do you have any thoughts about LinkedIn as a content marketing channel that is specific to the business community? 
We read a lot of material these days. In fact, a lot of it gets thrown at us. That which we decide to read, we may like or not like. We read it and we like it and we say, ooh, this is a great article. I can think about five people I'd like to share this with, or maybe just one person I want to share this with, or I want to share it with my entire connection group because this article is so good. It so capsulizes what we've been thinking, talking about, doing, et cetera, et cetera. You may want to share it with the groups that you're in or a group that you're in, and this provides a lot more credibility to you. Why? You're curating material. You're only showing the best of the best, and you're nurturing by curating this material when you share it with the people you're nurturing. They will appreciate what you do. So I get a lot of people who say to me, I don't have time to put this stuff out there. Well, you know what, folks? If you don't ping on the radar screen in somebody's memory, they're never going to remember you. If you go radio silent on LinkedIn, goodbye. They won't think about you. The more they see you share great material and you've taken the job from them and given them this is the best in this topic that I've seen in a while with a comment on top of somebody else's material. Great article. I really like item number four. Or this article is good, but I think item seven is really off base and here's why. Then you're adding conversation and critical thought because anybody can copy paste. But when you put your thought process for the quality that you bring to the table, the values, the skills that you possess, people say, oh, the next time I see something from Michael or from Mark, I'm going to read that and I'm going to share that on with other people. It gets viral, gets pushed along. That's for other people's material. What if you happen to have an opinion, you want to write an essay on this, an original long form essay, five, six paragraphs, comments, professional, never want to be a non-professional. This is like you speaking to the audience with your own concepts, you do a long form post. It's called a LinkedIn post. It's very common right now. Unfortunately, it's only common for a million people. Of the 414 million people on LinkedIn, only 1 million people are posting. Well, you say, well, that's a million people. That's a lot of people. Sorry, but if you have something really good to say and you've written it someplace else and can repurpose it to a LinkedIn audience, a business generated audience, you have now something where people will pass it along. And I do a lot of posts. I've done 80-something posts at this point since I've started. I'm amazed at how they get sent around all over the world. And people contact me and say, this is something I've been thinking about for a long time. Thank you for writing that. Thank you for giving that. And I pass it around to 20 of my best colleagues. This is huge stuff. And finally, you can also share infographics, a PDF, a white paper, whatever you want to share. That's another way to share, to create your own or reinforce someone else's material is a way to be remembered and a way to add to the global global conversation we're having, as I call it, a personal learning network that we all have with each other. You're learning from me. I have so much to learn from so many other people. So specific to this podcast's audience, what are uh, you know the value propositions on LinkedIn for attorneys specifically? Okay. Attorneys, listen up, guys, folks. You didn't have self-branding in law school. No one I know. They still don't teach self-branding in law school. It's absolutely stunning. So that's where people like me come into play to help give you the voice to talk about why you do what you do. But the problem we're all fighting with is we were all taught by teachers and parents, don't talk about yourself. So we're constantly 
gyrating. We're grinding on this thing. You know you have to talk about what you want to talk about, but you don't want to do it. So this is where a guide, a coach, will help you talk about yourself. The value is you're competing with so many other lawyers out there all over the country, maybe down the street, maybe in the same building you're in. You have to set a persona, you have to set a voice, and you have to set a value that people will want to know more about you as time goes on. That's the most difficult thing for people to talk about themselves. They can't even get out of their own way. They're stuck with being boring. No one hires anybody who's boring. Or if you have boring clients, you know why you have boring clients. You're not interesting. So you want to just keep it interesting. You want people to refer you. Hey, I want to share this person's profile and read about what he or she says and look at what they say about the work they did, hear that, whatever it is. This is when people really say, I want to call this person. I want to meet this person. And that's where I can't do that for you. You have to take it from there and you have to win the deal. That's how business gets done these days. So we're using the word business a lot. Um, is LinkedIn the kind of network that's going to work primarily for lawyers in the business space? Or, or can lawyers working with consumers, you know, think of like a marital uh, attorney, can it work for them as well? Does it work for everyone? Or are there certain kinds of attorneys that it will work better for? Okay. I'm a LinkedIn guru. I'm a LinkedIn nut. I believe LinkedIn is the best of the social media tools, and here's why. Anybody engaged in business has a personal life. Anybody who has a personal life is probably using LinkedIn all day during their professional life. LinkedIn is open on people's screens all day long, every day. It keeps the conversation going in a business community. Now, I have a lot of clients, and I've worked with a, a number of marital attorneys and uh, divorce mediators and people who do consumer legal work, they get their leads, their referrals through LinkedIn because other business people are referring them through the common communication that we use on LinkedIn. Facebook is just a different animal. It's You probably want to have a Facebook presence if you have a consumer base to your clientele, but you definitely need to be pushing the LinkedIn card every chance you get because other business people are either having their own personal issues or know other people who are having personal issues, and that becomes the way they can communicate with you. So I'd like to transition here a little bit to how LinkedIn works for a solo attorney versus a large uh, you know, partner at a large firm. You know, the digital landscape really can flatten a lot of those differences. So is there a way that a solo might approach LinkedIn differently than a partner at a large firm? Solos are in the unique space where if they don't market themselves, no one markets them. And you solos out there or in small firms, you know how hard it is and how much time it takes to market you. And that you know that your authentic voice is the voice that you want projected, not someone else writing material for you. So it's really important that you understand that marketing is a constant effort. It's like education. It's like everything else we have to do and all the things we do. It's constantly being seen. That's not saying you have to do something every day. It's not saying something has to be posted every single day as it comes up. You can create a bank, a library of material and using Hootsuite or some of the other uh, so, uh, social media uh, add-ons, you can create a metered in a calendarized 
push into LinkedIn, very easy to do. So I have, I blog every day on a LinkedIn topic. I have two weeks worth of materials sitting there waiting to get metered out day by day by day because I write them in one sitting. So for the solos out there, you don't have to feel like you have to take 10 minutes, 20 minutes out of every day. You can do this on a Sunday morning when you're maybe you have some time to do it and then you can push it. For the larger firms, the larger firms need to understand that all the attorneys in a large firm are all competing with each other for airspace on LinkedIn. They're all working off the same material. Now, if you're in a different uh, practice group, then you're not competing for the same material. But the law firm has its own brand, and the law firm has to have a company profile page on LinkedIn, and everybody in the firm has to have similar branding to the firm, maybe in your own words, maybe in your own expression, maybe in your own uh, specialty area, but you have to toe the line with the firm. So solos, you got it easy in that regard. You can say really anything that's professional that's on your plate right now. Law f- large firms have to keep the f- everybody organized, monitored, Branding has to be consistent. So it's, there's no easy place to be on either side of, the, of that alternative. So it, it, it's, it's work. It's um, something that legal marketing people struggle with a lot because there's only but limited amount of material that the firm can utilize. There are many ways to repurpose material and to take older material and buff it up a little bit with the current thinking on that topic. Those are just ideas to throw out there for you. So what I'm hearing is solos have a lot of flexibility to really build a persona, really build a brand on LinkedIn. And large firms have an opportunity and a challenge to push the larger firm's brand and to support their attorneys. Do you have any thoughts on what they might do specifically to support their individual attorneys, the larger firms? I've worked with a lot of larger firms that may be law firms, they may be insurance companies, they may be CPA firms. You're all They're all working in the same generic space, each attorney has to write, in in a large firm, each attorney has to write a really clear personality profile. It has to be something that really gets to the core of what that person is all about, the why they do what they do. And then these firms use these libraries on either a shared drive or an intranet file where you can use and pull material out as an, as an, an individual attorney, and you can use that, put a comment on top of that topic, it's already pre-approved by the firm, and push it out. I have seen a lot of times when everybody goes in on a Monday morning saying, oh, I better put something on LinkedIn, it's Monday morning. They go to the same library, they're pulling largely the same articles, and they're pushing them all out at the same time. And if you're following that firm, or you're following various attorneys in that firm, you're saying to yourself, wow, they're just using the same old stuff, same old stuff. So, Every attorney in a large firm also has to have the ability to curate their own material that they're seeing that the legal marketing staff may or may not have. So there should be a, a an approval process that the individual attorney sends it to the marketing staff, and the marketing staff says, "Yeah, that's good. Push that out. Let's do. Let's let's take a new tangent here. Let's use someone else's material, but with our firm's point of view on it." So there's a lot of alternatives here. Just you have to be creative, and you have to be fresh, relevant, intellectually stimulating. Not boring, as we said before. Tangential to that, it brings to mind ethics issues. No, you're not an attorney. I'm not an attorney. The next 30 seconds is not legal advice. Exactly. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) But, you know, 
Are there, generally speaking, broad brush issues that attorneys should keep in mind, whether they're a solo or whether they're at a big firm or they're a marketing person at a big firm helping those, those partners? Broad brush things to keep in mind to stay within ethics rules on LinkedIn. Okay. Let's start broad brush. Everything you say on LinkedIn has to be supportable. has to be factual. It's not marketing talk. Marketing talk can make anything ugly beautiful. And that's what we all do. That's the marketing world that you live in and I live in. You know, this, this is what it's all about. So it has to be something that if you're going to say it on LinkedIn, it has to be supportable. Once a year, you're supposed to, supposed to is the operating word, send this to the Bar Association. That's your entire LinkedIn profile. You're supposed to. Now, that doesn't say most people do, but you should retain an annual copy of your LinkedIn profile on a certain date just to go through the motions, hold it on your hard drive, hold it you know, in a file, whatever you have to do, and keep it there to prove that at April 25th, 2016, this is what my profile looked like. A year ago, this is what it looked like. That's just for documentary purposes. And how does one do that? It's easy to create a PDF of your LinkedIn profile or just do a screen print. Just send the whole thing to the printer. File it away. It's going to be dated. comes off your printer, hopefully. Then you're going to be able to just keep it in case anybody asks. Somebody can ask? Who knows? But anyway, you've done some of what you're supposed to do. Throughout your LinkedIn profile, you have to be sure that endorsements and recommendations do not make you seem to be somebody who can make a million dollars out of a, out of a dollar. You can't have anybody make a comment like, of all the attorneys in the entire universe, Michael is the best and he saved me more money and did more things with the judge than anybody else could ever do. That is just death. You're going to get in a lot of trouble. So the Bar Association is very concerned about ethics rules and they have each bar each state bar or local bar has its own rules. There is no uniform rules in the country. There are even not even any uniform view of LinkedIn as advertising material in the city of New York. The state and the city are different. So just to keep it all general for everybody who's listening, if you're not in New York, still got to listen up. In some states, this may be construed as attorney advertising. It's something that should be, quote unquote, put at some place on your LinkedIn profile. Early on, or at the end, but you want to be sure that people are realizing that you are keeping compliance with the uh, the bar association. Another thing you need to put in your profile is prior results do not guarantee a similar outcome. It's like the finance people, the, you know, the financial services people. They have the same situation. So you want to be sure that those two quotes appear on your LinkedIn profile. Do you absolutely need it if your local bar association doesn't require it? Can't hurt. It's showing that somebody who's reading from another jurisdiction realizes that you're following the letter of the law. And then in courts where you're admitted, you should list the courts that you're admitted so it doesn't appear that you're admitted in all courts. In areas of the law like admiralty or, um, well, let's just use admiralty or, or a patent defense, a patent law. You have to show that you have an expertise specifically in those areas. You cannot on your LinkedIn profile say, I am an expert in, I am uniquely qualified to. Those are things that are going to get you a foul of the 
uh, of the of the ethics issues. People who recommend you on LinkedIn, you have to be sure that it is factual, that they could be questioned and they would support what they've said, but they can't say something where you are the greatest thing in the whole wide world. We hired Michael too. He helped us through a particularly difficult situation in, we really appreciated his guidance and we continue to use him. Those are great recommendation words. Past, present, future, it shows that you are really reliant upon Michael. And finally, endorsements, be sure that other attorneys do not endorse you, that it's only your clientele that endorse you because endorsements from attorneys can run afoul of some of these ethics rules. That's a lot to think about. That's a lot of people flipping through their LinkedIn profile right now going, oh my God, did I do that? Probably you did, and that you know your ethics rules best in your local jurisdiction. And the the bar associations are happy to walk this through you or give you the the rules and regulations on this and the ideas behind it. It's thorny, it's difficult, but nonetheless, it's required. And I'll note that there are plenty of attorneys out there who specialize in this kind of thing. And if you have real questions, there are other attorneys that would be happy to walk you through these things as well. To that point, I saw an absolutely hilarious one-hour presentation at the New York State Bar Association about all the things you should never do. And some of these things that people have put out there are just astounding. They're attorneys. They're trying to market themselves as being the greatest this, that, or the other. It's amazing what people try to get away with. So always err on the side of being cautious. Always err on the side of being factual and realistic. People look for the sleaze factor in certain industries, we will never want you to be perceived worse or other than you are. That's self-branding. You want to be sure the brand of you is authentic, real, and relevant. What are the you know three top things to avoid on LinkedIn? And conversely, what are the three top tips you have for maximizing a profile on LinkedIn? Okay. Three top tips. First of all, as we said earlier, do not ask using the boilerplate request to connect because that just makes you look like you're lazy, not thorough, not punctual, not giving context. Be professional. So that's the first thing. That's my biggest beef about people, smart people, people in PR approaching me to connect with me on LinkedIn using the boilerplate request to connect. Can't stand that. Drives me nuts. Once in a while, I'll give them a second chance, but rarely, and I'll push back and say, have we met? How can I help you? So that's a nice way to ask back what's in it for you or for me. The second thing is constantly offer to help. It is a noble, decent thing to recognize that you have a talent, a skill, a capability that other people need. How can I help you? What is it that you're asking that I can give you the benefit of my expertise? You can knit that into your LinkedIn profile in a lot of different ways. And especially, I love seeing it in the headline, that line under your name. I help people with, or I help corporations that need, get right to the point. Helping is good. And the third thing I'd say is, constantly use this tool. It is just one tool in your toolbox. But recognize who your real audience is and are they reading? If they're not reading you, and you can see lots of analytics on LinkedIn about how viral your material went. If they're not reading you, play with the next update and see if you can find the common 
thread that they're looking for. And then as the readership goes up and the likes go up and the comments go up and it comes becomes conversational, that becomes something where you say, ah, that's what I needed to do. This is how I can be relevant and interesting and helpful to my clientele or potential clientele. And I'll ask, I'll add a fourth, if you don't mind, give a call to action. Even if you're just sharing somebody else's article, say, what do you think? Do you agree with me? Anybody have any comments? Create conversation because social media is social. LinkedIn is part of the social part of the business social media. So make conversation and information more relevant to everybody who's reading you. And then you will see people come to you because you are somehow doing something that most people are not doing. So lastly, last question. If an attorney gets to a point where they feel like they want to maximize the effectiveness of LinkedIn, they really want to push it as a business development platform, and they decide they want to bring someone in to help them, you know, they could certainly hire you. Uh, Absolutely. Yeah. That's, uh, that's always good for you. Good for them. <laughs> <laughs> but if they're going to hire someone, what are some things that they should consider? Okay. Let's look. LinkedIn training is not a science. It's not, an, not even an art. It's a dark art, shall we say. It is something that people can hang out a shingle and say, I'm a LinkedIn trainer. So the question is, how many years experience have you had? Look at their LinkedIn profile. Is it interesting? Or is it just rudimentary, you know, like I'm going with the motions and it's, is it, does it read like LinkedIn for dummies? You don't want the people like that. Where can they help you find your authentic voice? I disagree with, and I will push away people who say to me, you write it and I'll put it on my LinkedIn profile because I'll write it all day long and I'll write it all week long and all month long. It's going to be my voice. Find your voice. If you need somebody to help you source material to opine about, then you're adding your voice to it by adding that comment on top of someone else's material. If you need somebody to read and critique your long form post, happy to do that. But be sure that they have some legal background. Some I'm not a lawyer, but I've worked with enough lawyers in really large firms and really small firms now for the past seven years that I have a good sense of what's cooking in that area. Be sure that the person you hire is somebody who has addressed bar associations because they are talking to the expertise level at the expertise level that's really important. If they've never worked with an attorney or the Bar Association, you've got a newbie. I don't think that's a good place to be. What have they written? Have they written for the law? Have they written for uh, illegal marketing? Where are they? How active are they in the community? These are things that most people say, well, he was cheap. I, I took him, you know, he did an okay job. You don't want okay job. You always want excellence, exceed expectations, and ask people to exceed your expectations. And then you look best and everybody's better off as a result. And then uh, just to extend that question a little bit, uh, should attorneys be looking for a long-term engagement with a trainer, a short-term engagement with a trainer? You know, is it best if it's a very general kind of assistance or should they be looking for someone to help with something very specific, either strategic or tactical that they want to do on LinkedIn? You know what the answer is going to be? It depends. Okay. It depends why. It depends upon, as a coach and as a trainer, 
How large is the firm? How long is the undertaking? How deep or not deep is the capability on LinkedIn? That's something I assess. I looked at people's profiles. I determine what common threads that they need when I do a group training. But then I'll take them aside and I'll work with them one-on-one in areas that, and it's all uneven, that this one needs help with, but the other one has really you know, hit out of the ballpark. So it's all different. I work with clients one-on-one over four 90-minute sessions with homework in between. If you don't do your homework, you're in a bad place with me because you're not optimizing the investment you're making in yourself. But if it's a short-term need, if it's like, get me started, or I need a company profile page, I'll work with you to take what you have on your website and convert it in other languages, other language to the business community so that the business community will want to read that company profile page. So short-term, longer, four 90-minute sessions over four weeks, that's okay. But all my clients always have access to me 24-7, 365 for questions, for just, hey, run this by me. I, I'm thinking about doing this. What do you think? I've got a bunch of emails I've got to answer that have just happened to come today. And I'm not saying that for the purposes of this conversation, where one guy said, you know, you gave a presentation to us a year ago, and we're looking at it again, and I have the slides, but things seem to have changed in the firm. How can you help us with that? That's when the longer term, it's sporadic, but it comes. And that's important to know that we still have that great bonding that continues to this day. And so I want to give you the last word here. Final takeaway, if, if an attorney's doing one thing and one thing only, they get one thing from this, this podcast, what should they take away today? Biggest thing. Get out of your own way. Speak from the heart. People buy from the heart as well as the mind. Talk about yourself in terms of professionally, why do you do what you do? If you haven't read that book by Simon Sinek, you want to read it. Another book I'll recommend to you is The Startup of You by Reed Hoffman, H-O-F-F-M-A-N. Both books that have really big influence on what I do with my clients. They read the books. They love it. They thank me profusely for it because these are people who are geniuses in the social media marketing area and the content building area and there's so much to learn from them so learn from others and never be afraid to admit that even though you didn't have social media marketing or self-marketing in law school this is a place you must be this is not a like to be or want to be you've got to do this now you've got to do it well people's attention spans are very very short and very very tight you've got to wow them out of the box if you don't do that you're missing opportunity that means lost revenue that means tough times Great. Well, Mark, thank you so much for joining me on this episode of the Legal Marketing Studio podcast. Uh, The Legal Marketing Studio is a production of Picture More Business. The theme music was composed by Ryan Knock of Knock It Out Music. If you enjoy the show, please subscribe. The Legal Marketing Studio can be found on iTunes and on SoundCloud. Extended content, including photographs and links, can be found on our website, legalmarketing.studio. Note that there's no .com. It's just legalmarketing.studio. If you know someone who should appear on the Legal Marketing Studio, please send an email to producer at legalmarketing.studio or reach out via the contact page on our website, legalmarketing.studio. That's all for this episode. Thanks so much for listening. Mm-hmm.